it's running the business part that's that's hard. You know, you read all the time like making beer is easy, selling beer is hard. You know, so it's uh, it's all the other stuff that circles around because you're running a little factory, you know, and and like a, a bar. That's Peter of Jug Handle Brewing Company. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. A couple of weeks ago, the show was at the Fur Farms Hop Harvest. One of the places getting hops was Jug Handle Brewing Company. We talked about getting together for the release of the beer they were going to make with those hops, and that is exactly what we did last Saturday. Jug Handle released Fur Coat, their Harvest Ale. Now, Harvest Ale is not so much an official style as it is a marketing term or a common name for a bunch of different beers. Usually the name refers to a beer that is brewed in the fall with fresh ingredients, either barley or hops or both, picked fresh for use in the beer. The first beer to use the term was J.W. Lee's Brewery in Manchester, England. In 1986, they brewed their first Harvest Ale. Theirs is an English barley wine brewed with the first hops of the harvest. They make it once a year, usually releasing it in December, and each batch is unique. Since then, other breweries have done their own Harvest Ales. All over the world, there are different takes on the Harvest Ales, with beers representing almost every style you can think of. In the U.S., both Founders and Sierra Nevada release Wet Hop or Fresh Hop IPAs as their Harvest Ales. Now, like I said, I visited the taproom of Jug Handle Brewing Company last weekend to try their Harvest Ale that they brewed with the Fur Farms Fresh Hops. You'll hear more about it during the conversation. One of the owners, Peter, and the head brewer, Lou, sat down with me to talk about it. The taproom was open, so there is a good amount of background noise, but I think it helps to put you in the conversation with us over beers. What got you into beer in the first place to say, I want, you know, ultimately, what, I'm, I'm guessing opening a brewery wasn't the first thought in your mind. No. What got you into beer? School in the early 90s for chemistry, and uh, I, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for a while. I mean, it's okay. just kind of a backstory. No. Um, but but I, I like the backstories, because yeah. everybody has a different path. It's not just, I woke up one day, right. you know, I knew I wanted to be a brewer when I was 10. <laughs> you know, it's not always that story. Right. They, you know. Yeah, and then, so I, um, I actually started home brewing. Uh, when I was still in college at home, when I would come home for, for the holidays and all that. And the funny thing is I bought all the stuff from Brewers Apprentice. You probably, you weren't working there yet. No, I brought all my stuff ago. from there as well. Uh, when they were at their old location. Oh uh, yeah, um, South Street. Yeah. Uh, so I started, I started home brewing and I mean, it was, it was hard back then. It wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. There's not a lot of information available no, back there then. there wasn't a lot of like. And it was all over the place. There wasn't a lot of information. The internet wasn't really around then. Right. And, uh, back in the day when you had to look yeah, you know, really the ingredients are like, eh, you know, grains like, weren't even modified yet. You're still step mashing yeah, and things it was like, like that. Yeah, it was like you were using pretty much like bread yeast. Yeah, um, yeah. People, <laughs> and you didn't even know how old the yeast was. It just yeah, like so, strapped to the top of so the can. So I did that on and off for, for a little while. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of, it, it had been float, you know, because okay. now I got a job and you're working and life kind of like, moves as on. it does, gets yeah. in the way. Yeah. And, uh, Probably five years after that, I started. I started brewing again, mm-hmm. and it was easier then, you know, because then like more. The, I think the industry really, the homebrewing industry really had progressed. Right. The internet was there now, and like you could look things up and get better reach, getting more information about what you're doing. So, and I, I pretty much did it on and off for forever then. Okay. You know, so late '90s, early 2000s, everything started to come back. Craft yeah. beer really grew. Yeah. Was and the industry, the, 80s, the industry as a whole, like craft industry, yeah. as a whole, was starting to grow. You could get better beer. 
you know, back when I was in college, like, I mean, we had, I went to school up in New Hampshire, and uh, we had Portsmouth Brewery was there, which turned into Smut Labs okay. from Smutty Nose. Oh, man, they're delicious. Um, and they had, they had good beer, but back then, too, it wasn't... It was nothing crazy. Right. It was like, oh yeah, it's it's like it's a brew pub and we make beer and it was like here's an English bitter and here's yeah and that right. was nuts back yeah. then. Like, <laughs> wow, this isn't a lager. <laughs> right. So good. It was in one of each. You had yeah. a porter, a bitter. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the IPA was like some bitter giant thing that like you Tons know. Of malt. Uh, there just wasn't the diversity in the product in any of the products. Right. Then. So, yeah. but that was it. Like I always I I like the chemistry side of it. I like the okay. mixing things together, making things work. So it always attracted me. Like I was always tracked to it that way. It's interesting how a lot of people I talk to come out of either a food background mm-hmm. or a, you're not the first person who said, yeah, you know, chemist. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's that mixing and, yeah. you know, the ingredients, so the chemicals. It's all, yeah. just how it works, you yeah. know. So, and that that's pretty much it. So then after I got tired of chemistry and uh, I, I went into, so my, my father always built furniture as a hobby. So I, mm-hmm. I knew how to do it. Okay. So, so I opened my own business and did finished carpentry. Um, I built buttons and mantles and stuff like that, mm-hmm. crown molding. I did that for, for 15 years okay. or so. Um, and uh, it's funny, you know, I was, um, wasn't brewing as much then because I was just super busy. Um, but I, you know, I started again and I was like, ah, this, this is fun. You know, I started, I built a big system in my basement. We were having a good time with that. Okay. And we started going to breweries around the area. I went to Kane and Carton and all that, and then I went to Belford, uh, Belford Brewing up in up in Belford, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, it's it was it, they're you know they were so small. It was before they had their second space even, um, and just so approachable. I looked and I was like, well, why couldn't I do this? I was kind of getting tired of carpeting. Yeah. I was getting tired of carpeting at that point. I was like, I know how to run a business. Uh-huh. You know, I, I've been doing it for long enough. You know, I know how to brew beer. Let me see if I can pull some people together and, and see if I can if I can do this. Okay. So when you had that thought, it was you you, you were were you with your partners? Were you no, with you? I was like with your wife. You were with your wife. Okay. Well, the, the main partner. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. with my wife, and it's funny because then we, we were going to my my parents' house after that to grab the kids, and I started talking to my dad. You know, just kind of flushing it out, and and you know, start thinking about who I might because I really didn't want to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's I I got to give Kane like a lot of props, like like just fighting that completely by himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a heavy lift. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I knew I wanted some people with me. So I grabbed, you know, I knew Chris and I knew Mike from, uh, basically all from, our wives knew each other. Okay. Um, all from, like, the mom's club thing. All right. Um, and uh, I started talking with both of them. We started kind of piecing it together. So that was... The Belfort thing was two years, almost the day before we opened. Okay. So, so it, took, it took two years, two years. To, to put everything kind of together. Which is... It's about, about, about right. average. Yeah. 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 It seems we were, to be about that. I think we were... We did well time-wise once we got the space. Because um, we... We were six months here 
from signing the lease to open. Okay. Um, but yeah, it took, it took two, two years to put it together. Now, were you all, were all three of you brewing, or were you the only brewer in that? Chris, Chris, Chris Brews. Chris Brews, right. Chris, okay. He had a system at his house. Okay. Mike doesn't know how to brew and has no desire to learn. Okay. So, but he's good with numbers. He knows how to run a business. Right. And he's good with politics. So, uh, which very important. And he likes yeah. beer. And really, at the end of the day, I was like, well, I don't need another person who knows how to brew beer. We know how to do that. Right. I need somebody who knows how to do the other. Everybody stuff. brings some to the table. Right. Yeah. Well, that's and that's a right. fine balance. It's good to have different. If you all coming from the exact same right. background, the exact same knowledge base, you know, it would be all that much harder. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, spread it out. Everybody's got their own strengths. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. working that way. Okay. So, Luke, you, I'm guessing you didn't magically appear at Brewer's Apprentice one day. I think he's like a unicorn. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, uh, I also became uh, infatuated with beer. Um, I was drinking the, the crappy stuff throughout college. Mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't name specific brands, but we all know the college brands of beer. Um, and then a couple of friends basically gave me a few craft beers, and I stumbled upon having actual flavor in beer and mm-hmm. uh, almost an epiphany of wow like this is actually what craft beer can be and it almost sounds cliche to say but I feel like we all have that moment at least from the same general time zone uh, of when we all got into it um, and I feel like I, I just had a couple of good craft beers and I'm one of those people that everything kind of makes me very curious as to how it works and and why it's that way and if someone else can do it I feel like I should be able to do it as well right. um, so what were you going to school for at the time I actually went to school for psychology Completely separate. Had one of those people that wishes I knew that I wanted to do this back in before I actually went to school, so I could take my microbiology or chemistry course rather than relearning it all later. Right. Um, so I, I became obsessed with craft beer. I was brewing, and the same as Pete, I built a homebrew system. It actually was a, a one-barrel homebrew system, um, and we were brewing every two weeks at least, bottling something, kegging something, and it, as it does, it progresses. You get a kegerator, you start kegging things, get barrels of beer, um, mm-hmm. actual oak barrels, and start aging things until you have so much homebrew pumping out. Um, and I moved into Marlboro Township, which is right near uh, Freehold, where um, the Brewer's Apprentice is, and I was a customer there for a while before I worked there. And I would go in there, and everyone else was buying a couple of pounds of grain here and there, and I was going and buying actual 50-pound sacks of grain and pound bags of hops. And uh, one day the owner actually asked me, she's like, you're not selling this out of your house, are you? Like, you're buying so much beer, you've got to be doing something with it. And I'm just like, no, I have really, really good parties. That's about it. Um, Thirsty friends. And I was working a full-time job, but I also was trying to get into it a little bit more. I realized I was very, very, very into the scientific and the the culinary side of the beer and the flavors and how everything worked. So I wanted to get in there and kind of just get my feet in the door. Uh, and Joellen over at the Brewers Apprentice was great. She kind of just took me in, and I worked there one day a week until it became full-time, mm-hmm. um, and I learned everything I could. She has a, a huge library of every book you could ever read, from the how to brew and the joy of homebrewing, all those, all the way to the science of all of the beer, and the malt, yeast, and hops, and, bar, and uh, water books. Um, most of those books are pretty confusing unless you actually learn the science behind it first, which is what I had to go back and do, because uh, I was that guy throwing airplanes around the chemistry class. Um, so you went back to school then? I didn't go back to school. I pretty much retaught myself all of that. I I went okay. from the basics all the way back up. I don't know anywhere near as much as Pete does about the chemistry or any of that stuff, but that's pretty much why I rely on him. Um, okay. he, he teaches me a lot about that. Um, but I, I really more so became 
infatuated with the, the artistry of it and you have a beer from one place and you go well why can't I do that and why can't I make it better or make it my own more importantly and take the same kind of general flavor concepts and either execute it um, really perfectly or classically or, or take it to the next level and really push the envelope okay. um, so I worked at the Brewers Apprentice for about six years um, up until I started working here and I really only came in here because I, I got a really good vibe I lived a mile away from this place my whole life pretty much and uh, came in here when they first started opening um, basically the next weekend after opening weekend and, and just kind of came in here and talked to Pete occasionally and he would be in the brewery doing things and I would be kind of sitting there watching him work and I was really kind of intrigued by the whole uh, commercial and, and production size of all of this okay. and just offered my help as basically an, an intern and let me help you guys out I really want to this is just more of like my passion so it wasn't really like work to me it was more so like really really fun and, and awesome to learn and awesome to help so you got an intern who basically had been working six years in the homebrew industry yeah we in looked the out yeah <laughs> learned everything I could possibly learn about beer and styles and drank my fair share of beers thousands and thousands of different types of beers we have to talk about your negotiation skills though <laughs> I mean, with that level of knowledge and background walking in hey, I'll do it for nothing okay you know what I mean it's all about the, the, where the level of the business was they were right, a right. week I old yep. so I hear you, yeah. you, you can't expect in much. the industry, yeah. uh, in turn, oh yeah, no, it, it happens a lot. Yeah, so it happens, and it happens in a lot of other industries too. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's definitely not only the beer industry, but it's, you know, it's amazing how we 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 went away from that apprentice master relationship in so many things over years, and now in certain pockets of it, it's mm. definitely making a comeback. It's it's definitely true. I mean, not that it's anything to do with the podcast at all, but like even in finished carpentry. It's dying. Mm-hmm. Like no one knows how to do it anymore. Yeah. And trades in general, no skills. Yeah, most, yeah. At least with like Skilled plumbing labor. and electrical work. I mean, this has obviously it's not oh, probably because it's, it's more of a yeah. union. Like, I'm my own boss. We can yeah, go anywhere like, want. There's at least with the, the electricians and plumbers. Like there's a license involved. Like you, people typically go to school for it. Or carpentry man. Like the high level finish trades. Yeah. No one. I was. We couldn't hire anybody. You know. Yeah. We I was looking at something about. I guess it was a. I think it was, it was like on the History Channel or something. I was flipping around, and it was a guy who basically does um, book binding, mm-hmm. and but real yeah. craftsman yeah, yeah. level quality and stuff, and like the rest- restoration work and all that. Yeah, and he's been doing it for you know he, his father taught him. He's been doing it yep. 40, 50 years, but his kids wanted nothing to do with it. You know, he has nobody, and when he gives it up, it's done. It's done. It's yep. gone. You know, and yeah, there's a lot of things like that. Yeah, you know, most of the high skill trades yeah. are. Are like that. Yeah. More and more people are hiring people to come in and fix something that you should be able to do. That you learned if you worked with your father or your uncle doing construction and things like that. That now just people aren't doing anymore because they just call somebody up and hire them. Yeah. But you know, going back to what you guys were talking about when you were first getting into into home brewing, right. like we we, we kind of did hit a level in brewing 
where, you know, yes, we had at one point a lot of breweries and right. every town had one and there were a lot of regional players and, and it was an opportunity. You could go do it. You could go learn. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, the 70s kind of, 60s and 70s kind of wipe all that out. And now even just to do it at home, you have to go look for that, you know, that mystic tome of, oh, yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. Where's that one book? Yep. What book can I find? And where can I find it? now, like, kids, guys that want to get into it. Like, the internet has all, so much. Mm-hmm. The forum, I mean, the home reforms are actually, most of them are really good. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I mean, there are always, like, idiots on there that don't know anything. But they're, like, Homebrew Talk has a bunch of people that really, really know their stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I see, like, talking to you guys like you and, and the homebrew clubs and everything, I mean, everybody is very willing mm-hmm. to help one another. You know, it's definitely you, a community. Yeah, it's definitely sure. a community. And even among other breweries. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, among absolutely. guys who are, you know, making a living doing it. You know, everybody seems to help each I, other. I probably, I probably text back and forth with, with Tim from Kane at least weekly. Okay. He needs something. I need something. And we're the closest to him. So, okay. you know, and even if I, you know, sometimes I don't have it. Sometimes he doesn't have it. But, I mean, it's just the breaks. Right. But, uh, yeah, he's here probably once every other week. I'm over there grabbing stuff from him. So, and Mike's great with it. He doesn't care. Yeah. You know, so. Rising tide floats all boats. Yeah. Right? We're trying yeah. to all bring each other up. There's no competition yet. I mean, we're more so in, instead trying to to grow the craft beer community in New Jersey. We're really late to the party for, compared to other states, so yeah. we're trying to help each other, yeah. and we're, we're learning from each other, and we're giving each other little tips as to what worked for me and why our beer tastes this way versus their beer, or what ingredient you might have that you use or that I need, whatever. And we're very, very uh, communal in that regard, mm-hmm. for sure. Cool. So when you were doing, when you're putting all this together, so you find you find Chris, you find Mike. Right. Um, it took two years. What was the biggest hurdle? What was the biggest obstacle in those two years? You know, I don't. I mean, obviously, finding the space is, okay. I mean, the most obvious obstacle, right? We we kind of lucked out. This space was vacant. Um, Mike is is really good friends with the landlord, so I mean, it was it was a good break for us in that respect. Um, I don't know what was really... Nothing stands out to me like as being like, oh, this was really, really hard okay. to do. But it's just a process. Right. Everything takes time. You know, uh, it's a lot of reading, a lot of just figuring out what other people have done, how you do things on a shoestring budget. Okay. You know, because uh, I'm inherently cheap. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we built everything in here. Okay. Uh, I guess what you were talking about. Work, so, right. So, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. I can walk, walk into a blank space and go, yeah, we can make this that. That's you didn't right. have to hire anybody. You can do it all yourself. Working. I mean, because I was still working as a car, doing my carpentry, probably until I didn't come on here full time until we've been open for maybe nine or ten months. Okay, which um, is not not an uncommon no. story. You know, a lot you know of, that that was probably the. I mean, if you want to know the most difficult decision, that was probably it. Because right. it. I mean, money-wise, it, it, it wasn't easy to do uh-huh. that. It took a lot of talking with my wife. To, like, But the business needed it. There was no way to move forward with no one working here. Okay. You know, no one full-time, like, just kind of getting their hand on the thing and making it work. Now, were you the first? I was the first, and I'm still the only one. Oh, okay. The only, Mike and Chris still have their regular jobs. Okay, so you're, um, yeah, you're so chief cook and bottle washer right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and that's, there's, there's some challenges to that, just in trying 
to keep everybody up to speed with what's what's going on. I mean, it's a little easier with Mike because he works more locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris works in the city, so it's just uh, tougher. Okay. It's tougher to find the time. Yeah. Uh, like to me, that that's. I mean, there are a lot of challenges with running a group. It's it's actually. I think there are more challenges than actually once you get open to to getting things to work. Because okay. making the beer part is relatively simple. Right. You know, it's all not the stuff that it's not difficult, it. but like it's running the business part that's that's hard. You know, right. you read all the time like making beer is easy, selling beer is hard. Right. You know, so it's uh it's all the other stuff that circles around. Because you're running a little factory, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, a, a bar. Yeah. You know, so you're running a retail establishment with a factory behind it. And, you know, you're going to make easy on their own. Yeah, it all has to work. Yeah. You know, right. and things break all the time. Okay. So... Things break mechanically, or things break everywhere. Process-wise, everywhere. everywhere. Oh. We name it, it breaks. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, and I think that a lot of times, what most breweries are are stretched capacity-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's just no downtime. Right. It never stops. Yeah. What's on the gas? So, always. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, and you know, even I know we've been talking with like like a lot of the other breweries, like something breaks like it's got to get fixed right now right because that beer had to be in there yesterday right um, now are you running at pretty much capacity you've uh, you maxed close, out we're yeah. close-ish there's some ebb and flow to it but uh, we're, we're pretty close okay um, I mean, we just did our first canning run about three weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, and we have another one coming up on the 10th the, the canning is, is probably going to push us to the point where we need a couple more fermenters to let that happen okay. and not, not hurt the a number of beers that we have on tap here. Okay. And you're canning for distribution or you're canning for selling in-house? Both. 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 Okay. Yeah. So the next canning run, we're going to can, we're going to do two different beers. Uh, we're going to do another one of the Hopshorns and we're going to do a fruited IPA. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll let half of it go out to wholesale, and we'll keep half back here. Okay. So it's kind of what we did in the last batch, and it seemed to work pretty well. Okay. Are you are you going through a distributor, or are you guys pushing it out yourself? No, yeah, so we're self-distributed. You're self-distributed. Yeah, right. I don't have any plans of ever changing that in New Jersey. Okay, I, it's yeah. a blessing. Yeah, why would you? you know? I'll just buy more trucks. You right, know? right. I mean, okay. which is a headache unto itself. But because now you got trucks to deal with. Right. But I can't. I could never justify the money that I would yeah, get the distributor. Twenty five. Yeah, thirty percent. Thirty percent off the top. It's, like it's, big, it's a tough nut to fight. You know, it's yeah. like. Uh, for really a, company, a distributor that's gonna maybe get you into accounts, but they're not really gonna sell your beer or know your product yeah, like you your salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how is it in an environment now that, I mean, you guys are here, what? Two years? Over two years. Yeah. Over two years. So you, you came in when New Jersey was the beer, was the beer brewery industry was kind of booming. I think it was we kind were, of building. We were 46, I okay. think. No, wow. Uh, that, in the state. Wow. So that made, it's been like, yeah, like 64 now? since yeah. Yeah. just the last two now years. Like, there's over 100 now, right? Yeah. So how hard was it to get, how hard was that sales piece to get people, to, especially where you're located, Right. you've got, like you said, Kane is not far, yeah. Carton's not far. Those guys have been doing it for five years. Once we, when right. we were open, it was five years. Okay. So And they've got, I don't, you know, they're, they're known, they're, they're entrenched. They're at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Right. So how is it to walk into a, let's say a bar, 
even in the area and say, hey, you know, you should get me on tap here. And then you see, you look up, and of course there's right. the macros, and Kane's got one, and maybe Carton's yeah, got one. Yeah, absolutely. How hard is it to get into that at that point? For me, it's damn near impossible because I'm a crappy salesman. Okay. But the uh, product, I mean, at this point, sells itself. We have a yeah, good but beer. You know but you know if it's though, fr- we, but at the beginning, nobody knows right, that. Right. We didn't distribute wholesale at all for the first nine months. Okay. Uh, and it was a conscious decision on our part um, not to drive the beer out of here. Okay. Uh, we just wanted to to run the beer through the tasting room, get the feedback that we wanted, do the, the tailoring we wanted to do. And then once once we felt like we were ready and enough people had asked us, then we started to push out. Um, and even at that point still, it was just... We didn't have a sales guy. So it was basically whenever I could find a time or somebody could find a time to go to a bar... And mostly, if the bar called us and ordered beer, then we got the beer to them. Okay. But beyond that, it was, you know, nothing really was happening. Okay. Um, and then, a little over a year ago, we hired Matt, our first sales guy. And that's kind of when it, it really started okay. to move. Alright. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm happy with the way that we played it out. I like... And I'm, you know, I'm glad that we waited so long to can. I, we were, we're always... We always try to take a really metered approach to how how we're going to expose ourselves. Okay. So, um, yeah, but as far as I'm getting back to your other question, it's I think it's easy and hard to sell beer now. I mean, it's yeah, you have Kane and you have Carton, and they have these lines that are established because they've been there forever, and they make good beers too. You know, I'm not going to discount that at all. A lot of the bars, um, they just have a lot of rotating lines, and there are okay. open lines there, and we have. You know, we have accounts where we have full-time lines and some where we rotate in every month. And I I just think that's where the state of New Jersey is. just the market. I mean, yeah. people want new stuff all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, in the last, like, all right, the last year or year or two, it's been really hyper-local, hyper-new. You know, I've had them before I want to try something else. Tap, yep. You know. Absolutely. It's at the tickers. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did we did a fair amount of work social media wise to try and get the name mm-hmm. our name out in front of of where we were headed geographically. So let me ask you a question about the name. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I look when I look at your logo, right, okay, it, it looks like it's the jug handle off a of grout. Right, right. But then when I came come in here and look around It's all the roads, right? It's all the roads. Now knowing New Jersey is the jug handle capital of the mm-hmm. world. Which which is the jug handle? Jug handle. So it's name funny. After. My wife actually came up with the name. Okay. Um, and she always envisioned it as being just like an all-encompassing New Jersey kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, double entendre. And yeah, you can talk about the jug handle as a physical road thing. It's it's kind of fun that it plays off the handle of a jug too. Um, so I know we never really looked to pin it down. Okay. It was just kind of. I mean, if you're from New Jersey, man, it's it's a Jersey thing. Right, right. If you're not, and you have no idea what a jug handle on the road is, it's, I don't know how you got here. If, <laughs> if, if, right. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it could just be the handle of a jug. But definitely, like, the, the push has been to, like, just make it, make it about what we think New Jersey is. Okay. You know, we all... Uh, Kristen grew up here, but Mike grew up in Ocean. I grew up in Middletown. Uh, My wife grew up in Union Beach. We're all from, we all grew up here. My parents still live in Middletown. So, you know, we all have have pretty 
deep roots in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and that, that's kind of what, it, what it's always been, is that, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, because I just, when I saw the logo, I'm like, all right, I get it. And then I, I remember the first time I walked in here and I'm looking at the one, I'm like, all right, it's, 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 it's both. Jug handle. <laughs> okay, it's both. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's pretty much it. Get people like, you know, people come in there like, oh, Chug handle. I see each other like, oh, wait, it's the, I get it. <laughs> All right, well, so let's talk about some beer. These are for you. We've all, all right. had these before. You've had these? Okay. So take me through them. Where should I start? Well, I, let me put them in order, because I really just kind of threw beers at the bartender and didn't actually put them in order. Okay. I'd, start, I'd start with the Kolsch. Okay. Yeah, we're going with the Kolsch. And we'll put this third so it'll cleanse the palate. Okay. okay. So start, yeah. start with the Kolsch. Okay. Everybody needs a beer-flavored beer. you got to have the, grab another beer, that kind of person that either is into craft beer, like myself, um, first thing I'm going to do when I go to a brewery is either try their lager or the thing that's closest to their lager. The most simple, clean, blank canvas style beer. Not to be so judgmental, but really to gauge the rest of the beers that I'm going to try right off of that beer. So if their, their beer that is essentially beer-flavored beer is very clean, doesn't have any off flavors or anything like that, is easy drinking. Um, if that's done correctly, then I know I'm in for a good visit to that brewery. Um, but you, we have a lot of people in here that are younger. The younger crowd's really driving the craft beer movement. But their dad is the guy that's always had Bud Light or Bud Heavy and a 30-pack in the fridge always and has never tried anything outside of that because it's comfortable. So when you have something that's very similar to that, like a Kolsch or a Pilsner, um, you, you get that guy that is afraid of craft beer or doesn't really want to try anything new that can drink a Kolsch and realize, wow, this local brewery that's five minutes from my house makes a beer that's as good, if not better, than the beer that I'm used to drinking all the time. And uh, it's fresh and it's easier and it's it's kind of a way to transition people into trying newer things and realize that we do make something for everybody. Is it, do you find it is the gateway beer? It is definitely a gateway beer for people who don't get into craft beer as right. much. And, and then they, they realize, oh, you have a Kolsch, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let me try that. And then they'll kind of branch out, especially if they're into a flight, because now you've got three other beers that inevitably you've, you've paid for that you're going to try. Right. Um, okay. And uh, Kolsch is really, it's it's short time-wise, because we do, we're not at capacity, but we are pretty much filling a fermenter as soon as it's empty. Um, so that's one of those beers that you, you make, and then it doesn't take quite as long as a Pilsner or a true lager style, where it's going to sit in your tank for so long. Um, are, you doing, are you doing lagers? Or occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah, it's more about when the space is available. Right, right. When we have time. We don't have to maintain some uh, core beers, or we don't have a lot of things on the, the priority list before that, especially when we have canning rounds and things like that now. We've got a lot of priorities ahead of making something that's going to hold on to a tank for six weeks to eight weeks. So, uh, Is the business seasonal enough that you do have downtime, or is it kind of steady... Kind of steady. Kind of keep the core beers, and then the seasonal stuff is everything in between. Okay. Yeah. We we just hired a, a second sales guy now too, so it kind of it's driving a little harder even. Right. Keep it busy. So, keep it going. Um, no, that's this is crisp. It's 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 light. It's a Kolsch. Smallest bitterness <laughs> in the beginning, but the very dry, no, not really all that aromatic finish. But, to your, but to your earlier point, if, if some if you can't brew this. 
you know, it's gonna, it, it would speak to different your abilities, right? Yeah. As a brewer, as a, you know, which why you would try something like this. You want your clean beers beer. to be clean. Yeah. You want them to be very true style. You don't want any off flavors. You want to know that when you're using Pilsner Ball, you boil for a little longer to get rid of that DMS off flavor, or whatever it may be, that the very small tweaks you make during the fermentation process, temperature-wise. Um, you, you want to make sure that you're doing a lot, all of the process work, and all of just the kind of staples of brewing correctly. Anyone can throw a ton of hops in a beer and kind of cover up stuff, but when you oh, have that... people don't do that? <laughs> when you have that simple beer, you really don't have anything to hide behind, pretty much. Yeah. No, that's nice. Very nice. All right, number two. Yeah, that's our rotating beer right there. That's probably become our most popular beer nowadays. Uh, that is our Hopshorn, a tribute to Hop- Hartshorn Woods Park uh, in the Highlands. That is uh, a very local park to us. We all kind of spent time there for sure. Um, but the Hopshorn is always focusing on the same malt base and the same yeast and everything process-wise, but a new dry hop uh, each time so that we're focusing on the same beer but with different flavors. So it's almost okay. cool for us as well as the consumer to see a similar product that you're used to but now you can tell I've had the last Hopshorn and I've had this most recent Hopshorn what are the differences what has this hop done that the last hop didn't do or what are the differences in the flavors so it's conti- always different it's every time yeah. it's different. I mean, we bring yeah. them back we'll yeah. go back we'll go back, we'll go back. yeah um, yeah, we're, we're at a point now where um, we made enough changes to the base beer. I mean, we're pretty settled out where, where it is right now. Yeah, it's dialed in. But if we when we go back now, the beers that are going to be different because it's changed enough okay. from what we brewed, say, six months ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we probably we brew a different one maybe every other week. Okay. Um, and it's the hops. That's changing. the hops. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. we talked about that last time. Yeah, we mentioned yeah. You. yeah. yeah. So yeah. like the one we can, the gallon. Galaxy was Galaxy and a couple other hops. Okay. This one is Ella and a couple other hops. That's, um, that's very nice. So yeah, it's that classic. That's basically the market nowadays. Right. It's that juicy, low bitterness, high flavor and aroma mm-hmm. category. Where this, these new school hops that are adding crazy flavors that you would never think you were going to get from hops prior. Like you're used to those classic American or noble hops where you get that. A little bit of citrus, a little bit of pine, or maybe earthy, but nowadays you're getting crazy fruity tropical flavors out of the, just the hops. So you don't add anything else to the beer, you're still getting such a deep complexity of fruitiness just from the, the flavors that are coming out of the hops. Yeah. Which, which so, and I'm, like the other day I bought, um, I bought Torpedo. Mm-hmm. Great and beer. It's a great beer, and I I had I had a, a New England right. before that, and then I had a Torpedo, and I'm like, how can they even call these the same beer? Same beer? How can yeah. they, why is it still? Why are these they both just, IPAs? They actually just came out. The Stag Islands. They just came out with a new descriptor for the New England style. Well, it's juicy. Yeah. It's going to be G- at GABF this yeah. year. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I heard there were like something like seven hundred. Go figure. Yeah. There's going to be so many. It's like, how do you even di- distinguish at this point right. the difference yeah. from one to the next? I, I feel bad for those people who are going to taste all that because yeah. after they, they can be judges for just that category <laughs> exactly. they're done exactly but they're so completely different mm-hmm. and the taste profile both good mm-hmm. but just wildly different yep 
even the New England from East Coast. Like, so you have your like Stone IPA, which is your your West Coast, your Russian Rivers, the classic West Coast dry, not really malt centric, mm-hmm. not really yeast forward, um, not really a lot of esters. More so focused on the the hop flavor and the bitterness. And you have your East Coast, like your Victory uh, Hop Devil, where it's like uh, got a good malt backbone along with those other flavors from the previous. Uh, and then you have your old school English style, like a Yards makes tribute to the, the English style pale ales, the, the true India pale ales, where they were a very heavy malt for, but they weren't really all that grapefruity or piney, and they had a lot more earthy, floral, English uh, grown hops, where they were very, very simple, and it was more so a little hops flavor, but it was a very malt forward beer. And, and now you've got the New England IPA, where yes, it's a lot of um, hop flavor, but it's really not a lot of the bitterness. You're pretty much doing the opposite of all the other ones by having that malt, that yeast character, and that hop flavor. The very, very late additions, ten minutes and lower, through your whirlpool and your dry hops that are now the not focused style on is the definitely bitterness. interesting. It, it, it changes north south on the east coast as well. Mm-hmm. Like you go down to the Carolinas and. And and any you know brewery is brewing what they think is a new IPA or it is a new IPA, but it's so different than what yep. you would get up here. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just a New Jersey and New York thing, where like more is always better. Like, how many more hops can I put in this beer? You know, <laughs> it's transitioning. <laughs> I think across the country is a little more sense than we do about it. Like, maybe you shouldn't be going eight pounds per barrel. <laughs> yeah, it's changed from like the Hill Farmsteads and the Lawsons and the Headies to being a little bit hazy, still having the same additions, but not really being all that malt heavy. To now, there's a high adjunct amount of oats and and wheat and things like that that are adding that soft pillowy mouthfeel and that crazy amount of haze to it and then the, the lower flocculating high ester producing yeast um, it's, it's even transitioned from where this style specifically came from where when you have a heady topper and you have a, a Lawson's or something like that and a Hill Farmstead you're getting a different beer like the introduction as to where wow this is all about hot flavor and not really a lot about the bitterness to now it's People are even throwing fruit and lactose and all these things, and it's, it's, it's still people, under yeah, yeah. one big yes. umbrella of this category, where even this category itself needs subcategories, because yeah. you've got such heavy adjuncted versions of this with actual fruit or lactose, mm-hmm. sugar, or crazy amounts of oats that it's, it's, it's deviating so far from the path, but it's still under that same general category. That's that's a good point, because I, I, was, I was out at the store earlier this week going through... You know, what's in what they have in the fridge and I'm like oh my god you know every I'm like can I get just a straight New yeah. England IPA can it I get a straight New England IPA with this crazy IPA. amount of stuff it's like it. pineapple and I mean it's the west coast you might find like you yeah. probably find a good west coast IPA but the, but now I've talked to who was I talking to where they said oh it was uh oh, demented mm-hmm. he said we're not doing west coast anymore doesn't make sense we're not selling enough we still we stay stop. true to we our s- West Coast, still, too. They, it moves pretty well. Yeah. Uh, every beer has its place, I think. And there are definitely restaurants where we're a, a more... You know what it is? You get guys that that think that beer should be clear. It should be bright. And, you know, you start handing them, like, a glass of this thing where it looks like a milkshake and you can't see through it. It's almost like when you got into drinking craft beer... 
Like, Kinda. I mean, I definitely crave. I crave like bright beers too. Like sometimes I, I want a beer to be clear. I want to. Absolutely. I, wanna, I, wanna I love it, our like, Pacific. But but if sometimes you crave different things. And, yeah. and if you say, oh, I, well, I'm not gonna drink that because it's just not. It's cloudy. Right. Well, right. All right. Well, good luck and yeah. keep your mind closed. It's not like we just pretty much give the process that makes it clear. We intentionally made it right. easy. Right. It's almost like a, some people act as though it's like just your your. Completing only yet, yeah, or brewing yeah. completing only half of the process that you're supposed to. Right, right. Especially in smaller brewers where we don't have centrifuges and we don't have filtration systems, you're not getting even the yeast haze that's in there. Like all, of, there's a lot of stuff coming out of the beer that I think you get intentionally. That I mean, even even though we're a small brewery, even a, a larger brewery is doing the same thing. Even though they have all that equipment, they're still creating a hazy beer, even though they could get zero parts per million or zero zero cells per million liter of, of yeast in their, their glass, um, they're, they're not doing that because of the, the drive and the demand for that style right. of beer. And if, you, and if you're throwing lactose in it, I mean, yeah, yeah you no don't, getting rid of that. You don't want clear. No. All right, so up, up next we've got, what, which one's this? That's our stone fruit peach Austin. <laughs> All right. With, it's fermented on uh, peach and plum puree. Yeah, it's so kettle it's, sour beer. Mm-hmm. It's so. basically a, a nice, dry, crisp beer, kettle soured to a, a decent um, pH where we, we didn't want to get too sour with it. Um, we know that the fruit's going to kind of add its own um, acidity to it. And really just focusing on adding um, fruits that work well together making a nice appearance you kind of drink with your eyes before you drink anything it's got a really cool color to it um, really dry refreshing beer that you can drink in the summertime that it's got that fresh fruit smell almost like walking down the produce aisle yep um, and then you get that really not over the top fruit no, no sweetness to it we've let it fully ferment out we added it during the fermentation so the sugar is not gone you just get the fruit characteristics from it and the, the, the skin from the plum and the peach flavor um, and we pretty much are now at this point just brewing stuff that we really enjoy drinking well, you hear that a lot right and you know, if, if you're not going to enjoy drinking it, yep. why brew it? Yep. You know, I mean, there's enough different tastes in the world that somebody's going to walk in and, yeah, and somebody's like, gonna like it. Yeah. And yeah. what's your take on on this beer? Like, you know, everyone brews similar styles, but and everyone can brew the same kind of beer. But it's like going from one restaurant to the next. Why would you go to any other restaurant if everyone's making the same thing? You want exactly. to try that chef's version of that same dish yep. or a new dish that you've never had before. And for me, getting into craft beer was because I did not want to taste the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I wanted Myself my beer included. to be different. And I love IPAs, but... I don't want every craft beer to be an IPA. How much different could it be if right. you're really all doing the same right. IPA, you know? So I want, like, and sour was probably where I came the last, my latest, where at first I was like, definitely an acquired taste. Almost feels wrong in the right. beginning. But over time, it became, wow, this is, there's a lot. It, once you, if you change your thinking about how a beer traditionally should taste, and almost feel like, all right, it's a little wine-ish. Yep. It's got, you know, it's got that characteristic more than more than the Kolsch. And back to that transition period of getting people that don't traditionally drink beer, you get the wine drinker that now drinks stuff like that, or right. fruited sours that get into beer, and now their palate is expanded, and their mind is more open to trying other things, because they're like, I would never like a beer, because they're thinking of the fizzy yellow bubbly stuff that right. tastes like uh, their dad's beer, rather right. than something like that, where you realize that, how could a beer even taste like this? Mm-hmm. No, 
it's nice. I mean, it's simple. It, it's not it, over yeah, top, and it's sour, but it, the sour is subtle. Yeah, it's, it's just tart. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's. <clears throat> This is, I could, yeah, definitely give me a lawn chair. I'll sit out front and <laughs> I'll drink that this, as your third one. This afternoon, drink this yep. all afternoon. We went one and two, and then the three was kind of almost like a palate cleanser, even though it's got a lot of flavor. <laughs> I think it's got the palate cleansing yeah. uh, ability. That tart right. acidity was going to kind of kind of strip the all the flavors off of you. Uh, that beer, we're going to do another one. Uh, with boysenberry and raspberry. Okay. So, all right, next one, please. Right. Yeah, we're going to do that same stone fruit peach Austin. It's going to be called something else, but it'll be with new fruits. Okay. Which, again, it's almost like the option. You're showcasing the same base beer with new fruits instead of new hops. Nice. No, that's good, because, look, we, we, in my household, I, I like sours, but my girlfriend is very anti-IPA. So finding other things for her to drink yeah, absolutely. Is, can be challenging. So when there's something like this around, you know, it definitely gets, definitely helps. All right, so number four. So, beer of the day. The beer of the day. So, Pete, I met you a month ago. Yeah, at yep. the Fur Farm for the uh, hop harvest with uh, with uh, my, my my long lost cousins, the Clarks, Mickey and Bobby Clark. We got Bobby here now, and that was an amazing event for me because it was. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. One, because the weather. Right. And I'd never done a hot picking. And to to be there to have probably, you know, somewhere, uh, some small, tiny percentage of the few of the hops that I picked now that I'm drinking. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes cool, it very cool. That makes it very cool. So we brought over Bobby Clark as well. Good afternoon. How are you? So how is this for you? Now we're drinking the fur coat. To know that what you grew on your farm is now in a glass. It makes, um, for all the hard work that we do all year long, this is it. Right. I mean, um, it's just an incredible feeling. And um, what these guys can do with the hops from the farm when they brew this beer that tastes so amazing, um, it's just a priceless feeling. Well, now, how many have you had so far? I'm still nursing one. You're nursing I one. Know. Okay. It's, it's I deceiving. Know how it so the, the question I have for Liquid Feed is, when I saw the ABV on this, yes. I was like, wow. So this the fur coat comes in at nine. And it is smooth. It does not taste like a nine. It surely does not taste no. like a nine. <laughs> but, but why, why go... Why go for it? Why swing for the fences with this one? We were very inspired by um, like the J.W. Lee's style Harvest Ale, where every year they put out that vintage of their, their wet up Harvest Ale. Um, and it's more of an English style barley wine. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the closest thing I could relate that to. Very, um, even though it's a wet hop beer, it's very malt forward. And this is still pretty malt forward, but we want to kind of be somewhere in between there and maybe like a Bigfoot barley wine, where it's got a lot of hops flavor to it. We wanted to showcase the hops. It's all about the hops, but we didn't want it to be so weak on the other aspect of the malt that it didn't complement it at all. And when you think Harvest Ale, you think Fall, you think um, Malty, more in that amber category. Um, and we wanted to have that fine balance between malt and hops, but we figured if we're going to do it, why go with a 5%? Why not go for like that J.W. Lee style beer where they're up in that 9 to 10 range um, in, 
we we did it and we nailed it and it tastes delicious. I'm actually very very proud of this beer. Very happy with it. Yeah, this and it definitely evokes a very different feel. Where where the Austin, where the Peach Austin, I see. You know, give me a lawn chair, I'll sit out front. Right, right. This one is give me a hammock and a blanket on like you know like yep. a, a 50 degree day yep. and, and a book and you know half a half a growler yep. a growler of this. And you know, I'll, I'll have see a, you tomorrow. See, yeah, yeah. yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, always thinking, like sitting in front of a fireplace or a fire pit somewhere, and just like you know, hanging out. It's good. It's good big beer. You know, it's uh, it's a cold weather beer. It's I mean, like it's an intro to cold weather. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Like, you can tell it's starting to become uh, fall, and we wanted to have something that's going to ease you into that darker beer category, that heavier imperial stout, we had barley so, wine style. We had so many hops too. I think we we had like 100, yeah. 120 or one hundred and thirty pounds. Of, yeah. of wow. the fresh hops. Yeah. You guys pulled That's a lot of hops. That's a lot, lot of hops. A lot of hops. And, um, and you helped pick them, Freddie. Yeah. You, you I, were right there. I at least did 129 <laughs> of those pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The rest of us, <laughs> one hop each. <laughs> I kind of I kind of felt like, I mean, you have a lot of choices with when you're, you know, what hops. You could do like some kind of some kind of smaller pale ale or, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of IPA. Um, I, I feel like, like this style showcases the hops better just because there's nothing... I mean, you got a pretty strong malt backbone to the beer, um, and you know maybe a hint of booziness to it. But there's really no other hops in the beer. We mm. we dry hopped it so minimally with other hops that, um, and it was just to give it a little bit, a little bit of nose because the white hops don't draw that much in the way of nose. But like all the hop flavor is all is all hops. Yeah. We I mean it had a bittering addition, a pretty small bittering addition, and then it was all his in the world. Yeah, so get that nice any hop flavor you get flavor. is pretty much is pretty much his hops, and I think it, it brings it out really well. Piney, mm-hmm. fresh, a um, little bit of garden vegetal, not too much, uh, all in a good way. And you get that light, that light citrus because it's Cascade and Chinook, so you get those qualities from those hops that are unique to them. Uh, but they are very very much um, the wet hop quality rather than all pellet hop. If we were to do this beer with pellet hops, you would definitely be able to tell the difference. Yeah. And uh, it's it's awesome to be able to do um, such a local beer um, and have it turn out so great. Yep. Did you um, did you bottle any of this? We did not. Thought about it. Because I'm just I'm sitting here right now thinking it could like, age, Thanksgiving right? time. We still could. I mean I don't. We just have it's to use like all the beer out at this point. Yeah. Um, there's still there's still a little bit left oh, on the right. Small we could, little eight ounce bottle. We could do a little <laughs> Blickman beer gun style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> We have some 500 mil bottles kicking around that we could do. We could bottle some out. Maybe like a little secret release or a secret brewer stash. Yeah, yeah. I I just because because I think with the the higher ABV, I think it will probably age. And I'm not talking forever, but yeah, but you know, a couple months and it might age nice. Yep, and it might pair very well with turkey. Oh yeah, Yeah. Yeah. or Christmas. I'm I'm just with family members. Yeah, yeah. Not many things pair well with family members sometimes. (laughs) High alcohol beer definitely will get you there. We probably should. I mean, it. Why not? Um, and just to try, just to see if you know, see how it goes. You know, that's basically what we're doing. We left it in the bright tank, yeah. um, some of it, to see really how how it was received. It's been very well received. It's it, it's, it's out at a few accounts already. It's been flying out of the tasting room. 
It is uh, well it's one of those beers that I want to keep going back to. You can't do it too much because it is 9%, but right. Right. if it weren't, I would be drinking that all day. Yeah. Oh. Now, that, the one I had when I got here, and now this little bit <laughs> gets you there. And it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice. nice. You know, fill it in with some other stuff, which is all good, too, but it's a little hard now. So what's coming up? What, what, what's uh, what's on the horizon now for Jug Handle? We're, uh, as, as, I mean, as far as beers, we're... Um, it's a, it's a big transition period. I think not just for us, for almost any brewery. That you're moving from summer, from the warm weather beers to colder weather beers. So we're we got a Roush beer uh, that's in the tanks right now. Um, we have uh, we'll do the coffee our breakfast out probably mid October. That'll come out. Okay. Um, we have a couple other things kicking around. We got a, a barley one that's been in barrels for 11 months at this point. Um, we should probably get around to doing something like that. Um, <laughs> we have a 10% stout that's sitting in some rum barrels that we should probably work on getting out of the barrels. Um, other than that, just moving to the darker beers, you know, quarter open back. Uh, like I said, we're canning again in a couple weeks, and that'll be another Hopshorn and, uh, and another fruited IPA, this one with mango and guava. Um, and that may pretty much end that's going to end the fruit stuff for the season I think we'll do the one more the one more fruit and sour with like I said boysenberry and raspberry that, and I think that's going to finish the fruit for the season um, just move into darker darker beers I got a couple ex- couple exclusive beers with different bars that we have to work on okay but um, so when you do an exclusive uh, beer with a bar mm-hmm. I mean, what what makes it exclusive what do you like how do you go into doing it with a specific bar so we talk with them and in, uh, well a good example would be shrimp box down in, in Point Pleasant okay um, and they, they they approached our sales guys that they'd be interested in doing exclusive beer and they, they had a pretty good idea what they wanted no uh, shrimp in it right no shrimp okay <laughs> just check it Shrimp juice. I hate, I hate those little things. So, <laughs> conditioned on shrimp uh, juice. The yeah. worst thing you could possibly throw in. They were looking. I mean, they. It was cool because they. They have a really good idea what their clientele is. They know. Okay. They know what. Who goes there? So, they knew they needed a really approachable beer that uh, not overly bitter, not super hoppy. Um, so we made something up for them. Um, it's just. It's basically just a. It's just like an amber ale, pretty much. Yeah. It's almost. It's Bordering, it's an ale, but it's bordering on that lager when it comes to the dry finish and the crispness. But it has a really nice fruitiness. It's very, it's a subtle fruitiness, um, and and the yeast that we use um, brings it into that ale category. So it's almost like a um, mildly fruited magic cat style beer, um, but nowhere nowhere near over the top in the apricot like that is. This is more um, subtle, but it's it pairs really well with food. It can be either on its own or um, with it, with dinner. It doesn't really matter whether it's um, a hot day, a cold day. It's one of those beers that you can drink all year round. Um, and we pretty much just listened to what they wanted and made that. Yeah. And it actually turned out really well. And we we fly through it here, but they fly through it over there. Yeah, um, they drove it hard all summer. Yeah. So. Uh, they're they're finished. I mean, they closed down. Like I think Thanksgiving ish. They're okay. done, done, done. Yeah. So um, and it, I mean, it, it worked well. It works well for us. You know, it's, it's a good gig for us. It's good. Gig, it's a good gig for them. Cool. We just sell it here and there, and that's it. That's it. Nice. So, yeah, they seem to enjoy a, a beer that was made just for them. They, I mean, they fly through it, like I said. So they, their their staff, their ownership, and all them, yeah. they seem to get really behind the beer that this was made just for us by 
by a brewery in, in New Jersey. It's not all that far away. And people really get on board with that. Gives and them they, a really good marketing opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? yeah, so. and, I, and you can see, you know, from like a, if, if you're going to a place, is the only place I can, one of two places right. I can get it? Right. That's, I, yep. can, I can see why that would uh, be a draw. Definitely. They, they can invest. They know they're going to have it for as long as they want it, so they can invest some time in printing it and use with it mm-hmm. and really invest in, in the marketing to their customers with that. So it works well. I, I, I like the arrangements. I think it works well for us. We've done it a couple of times now. So, um, you know, it, it stresses the scheduling, brewing schedule a little bit. Um, but I, I like the arrangements. And the exclusivity is really cool. You have a beer that's so good. It's not like we make a worse beer just because it's going to be in one place. It's still a really good beer. So they can either only get it here or they can only get it there. So it works out for both of us because now those people want that beer. They can't just go to any other bar and get it. Like our, our, our couple of other exclusive beers that we do are very, very tasty beers. And you can only get them either there or here. So people, I see people on Untapped checking in and they're like man I gotta keep coming back to this place just because I can get this beer well give me give me the list and I'll, I'll make the rounds yes. <laughs> some places we have a wedding venue the Brownstone yeah the Brownstone um, up in Wayne okay wow um, all the way up in Wayne yeah, yeah. nice and uh, Tommy's and Seabright alright Tommy's crushes beer yeah they run uh, they've got a, a pale ale of ours now and they're probably end of September they'll be switching to um um, something closer to the Pacifically speaking, okay. a bigger West Coast style. Um, I don't know exactly what we're going to do yet. Thank you, gentlemen. There was also Mickey Clark of the Fur Farm as part of that conversation as well. You can get Fur Coat on tap right now, but no telling how long it will last at Jug Handle Brewing Company, 4057 Asbury Avenue in Tinton Falls, New Jersey. Visit their website at jughandlebrewing.com and visit the Fur Farm at thefurfarm.com. One note from last week's show, the event I mentioned for Rich Wagner's Colonial Brewing Demonstration on October 20th has been canceled. You can visit his website to find out about other events he'll be doing. His website is pabrewerystorians.tripod.com. As always, check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps. You can also leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santefoto.com. We've got a new Instagram account, at overbeerspod, and I've been throwing some extra pictures up there when I can. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.